parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to handle aggressive behaviors with our bigger kids. Because I think it's one thing to stop a two-year-old from hitting, right? With my own two-year-old, if she gets frustrated and she hits, I can stop her hand really easily and I can say, oh, I see that you're so mad you want to hit. If really I need to, I can pick her up. But with my eight and a half-year-old, if he's really, really frustrated and gets aggressive, which doesn't happen often anymore, but occasionally we still deal with that. So in those moments where he is struggling with being aggressive, it's not as simple as just picking him up and moving on. And I have parents ask all the time, what do I do if I can't just pick up my kid when they're hitting? What do I do if I can't physically restrain them? How do I respond? So I want to answer a listener question who was wondering exactly this. And hopefully in doing that, I can support all of you who have seven, eight, nine, ten 10-year-olds who maybe have moments of aggression and you're not sure how to handle that. And I will say that doing this well, responding to our kids' aggression, especially as they get older, doing it in a way that's helpful and connecting instead of shaming and punishing can be challenging. And it does require a mindset shift. And I'm going to start with that mindset shift as always, because mindset is so incredibly powerful and so incredibly predictive of whether we're going to feel good in our parenting or whether we're going to feel frustrated and like we're failing, whether we're going to worry that something's wrong with us or with our kid. And I think with aggressive behaviors, it's especially easy to go down that parenting rabbit hole and wonder what's wrong with my kid. Is this going to get worse? If it's this bad now, how am I ever going to handle this child when they're a teenager five years from now, right? This is really challenging now. There's no way I can do this down the road. That's where we go. And when we do that, we cannot parent effectively. We stop seeing the kid in front of us and we start seeing some version of our child that doesn't exist yet. So if you find yourself struggling with your mindset, if you find yourself going down that parenting rabbit hole all the time and worrying about the future instead of being able to show up for the kid who's in front of you now, you need my free guide, Six Mindset Shifts to Ditch the Overwhelm and Parent in a Way that Feels Good. These foundational mindset shifts will help you get your head in the game so that you can show up for your child in a way that feels good for you and feels good for them. And as a bonus, we tend to see challenging behaviors decrease as connection increases. That doesn't mean we won't see challenging behaviors anymore, but often there is an inverse proportional relationship to challenging behaviors and the level of connection our child feels with us, with themselves, and how good they feel about themselves. And we have an impact on that. So if our mindset is in the right place, if we are seeing our child through a favorable, loving lens, if we can access our curiosity about what's going on, pretty much 100% of the time, we are going to handle those tough parenting moments better than if we are stuck in a loop of frustration, anger, and reactive responses. But sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't know where we need to shift our mindset. And so that's why I created this guide. These six mindset shifts are absolutely foundational to approaching parenting differently. 
you can get your copy totally free at raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. And once you have this guide, you can go back to it as often as you need to, because I don't think these are the sorts of things that we just make this shift one time and it's good, right? We have to constantly revisit, re-examine, recommit these shifts to make them top of mind. I think that's really important and it is a process. And this guide is the perfect place to start that process. So now I want to read you the question that our listener submitted, and then I'm going to start with a mindset shift. So our listener writes, my son is seven and he started to display aggressive behaviors that we've never seen before this school year. I have a lot of trouble restraining him. I can't pick him up and move him somewhere safe because he's too heavy. And when he's that upset, it's really hard for me to restrain him without hurting one of us. I'm hoping you have suggestions because it's really affecting the quality of our lives. And my older two children don't understand why he's behaving like this and can sometimes say really hurtful things to him. Okay, so first of all, so much compassion to our listener because it can be really challenging to start dealing with aggressive behaviors or a big change in behavior out of nowhere, seemingly. That can feel so tough. And I think we have to be really disciplined not to go down that parenting rabbit hole in these moments, to not get stuck in this place of trying to understand what does this mean about my kid? And then we can also start to wonder how old is too old for my kid to still be hitting or how old is too old for my kid to start hitting when they weren't hitting before. If you're in this situation, I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to remind yourself of what hitting really is. Because the mindset shift here is around reminding ourselves that hitting isn't bad behavior. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your kid. Hitting and other aggressive behaviors happen in a state of emotional overwhelm. And all kids, all human beings are capable of reaching a state of emotional overwhelm. It's just that as adults, our brains are fully developed. We have most of us the skills to regulate our big, heavy feelings in a way that doesn't hurt other people. Ideally, usually, right? Obviously there are situations where adults hurt other people when they're mad, but for the most part, as adults, we're able to regulate those impulses. So hitting is not bad behavior. Obviously it is not desirable behavior. It's something we want to help our child do differently, but it is an impulsive reaction. Hitting is how really big, mad, intense, overwhelming feelings are flying out of your child in a given moment. Aggressive behaviors like hitting are a sign that the intensity of emotion that your child is feeling in that moment has outpaced your child's ability to regulate or do the right things with that emotion. That, coupled with a still developing brain, and remember, The human brain is not fully developed. The prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that helps us make good choices, is not fully developed until we are in our mid to late 20s. And so until then, our kids' brains are still developing. And for a 7, 8, 9, 10-year-old child, a preteen child, even our teenagers, they are going to have moments of emotional overwhelm that is so intense that they cannot manage their impulses, the impulses that come from the emotions. And so when we're talking about anger or frustration, the intense expression of those emotions often does lead to wanting to hit or be destructive. I think even as adults, we can recognize that impulse, but because our brains are fully developed, most of us are able to 
check that impulse and say, oh, okay, I need a minute. But we are still vulnerable, even if we're not actually hitting. We as adults are still vulnerable to impulses like saying things we don't mean or yelling when we don't want to. Our rational minds know that we don't want to yell at our kids, but we get angry enough and sometimes we still do right? Even as adults with fully developed brains, we sometimes have a hard time regulating those impulses to say and do things that are hurtful when we are overwhelmed by intense emotions. So now you've got a kid with a still developing brain and sometimes those emotions are so intense that they cannot contain those impulses. So that's where these aggressive behaviors come from. It's just our kids feeling sort of flying out of them in this impulsive way that they're unable to contain in that moment, usually because of the intensity of that emotion. Most kids are not premeditating that they're going to hit us. They're not sitting there thinking, what should I do with my feelings right now? Let me see. Oh, I'm going to hit my mom. That's a good idea. Our kids know that that's not a good choice, and yet their feelings fly out of them in this way that they can't quite control. And often that leads to a sense of shame, and we can inadvertently perpetuate that shame if we respond to these behaviors in punitive, harsh, critical, shaming ways. What are you doing? You are seven years old. You should know better. What's wrong with you? Don't you know you're too old to be hitting? And it sounds like in our listener's situation, the older siblings are saying things that might feel shaming to their younger sibling because they're not really understanding where these behaviors are coming from all of a sudden. And they're struggling to process and cope with what's happening as a result of these aggressive behaviors, which is totally understandable. And it's even understandable for parents to start to wonder what is going on. My child should know better by now. It's normal to think those things. But if we say those things to our child, if we respond in punitive and critical ways, what we do is we increase this sense of shame. And what happens is that shame creates a wall between us and our child. And it makes it impossible to teach our child the skills they need to do better the next time. So it can become sort of a vicious cycle. Our child gets overwhelmed with these big, intense emotions. They hit reactively. And then we respond by taking the iPad away or by telling them, what is going on with you? You are too old for this. Or by yelling at them because we are so flustered that these aggressive behaviors are happening and we're not sure how to respond. We're kind of on the back foot. And so then our child feels bad about themselves, feels a sense of shame that blocks them from being open to processing with us what happened and learning a different way of approaching it next time once they are calm. Shame is different, by the way, than guilt, because I've had parents ask me, well, isn't shame helpful? Doesn't shame help our child recognize that what they did was wrong and that they need to do differently next time? Well, here's the thing. Kids know that. They know that hitting is not the right way to go. They don't want to be destructive. Our kids want to please us and to build up relationships. We as human beings are wired for close, connected relationships. Literally none of us wants to destroy our relationships through aggressive behaviors or aggressive words, which is why we feel terrible when we get into an argument with our partner and we say things we don't mean. Once we're calm, once our nervous system comes out of fight or flight, we feel terrible about the things we said that we didn't mean. That emotion is guilt. That emotion is, oof, I messed up. I really shouldn't have said that. I really want to do better and I'm going to try harder next time. Guilt is what I did was not ideal. Shame, on the other hand, is this emotion that says that I am bad. Who I am at the core is bad. 
if we feel like who we are at our core is bad, what's going to happen is we're going to stop trying. We're going to shut down. Like, what's the point of even trying if we are damaged goods? Brene Brown has done some fascinating research on shame. And one of the things that she has found is that shame blocks vulnerability. And vulnerability, the ability to really look inward, be introspective, and be open to saying, yeah, I messed up. We can't safely go there if we feel like who we are at our core is bad. What we are going to do instead, if we fear that who we are inside is bad, we are going to protect others from seeing that part of us. We are going to protect ourselves from feeling that that I am bad feeling, and we're going to keep others from seeing it. And as a reminder, especially for our kids, none of this is conscious. Our kids are not sitting there going, okay, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to make sure that they don't see my shame, right? They're not doing that. That's not how this works. But the way that that might manifest is that your child might start displaying even more aggressive behaviors because now not only are they dysregulated, but if we respond in critical, harsh, and punitive ways to that aggression over and over and over, our kids can start to feel like I am bad, it's useless to try, and I need to protect myself from these people who see my badness. So that can manifest in more aggressive behaviors over time. That can manifest in this sort of attitude that we sometimes see from our older kids where they're kind of just pushing us away and not connecting with us. And it certainly blocks them from being able to do the right things with those big intense feelings the next time. Now, as a reminder, because I've said this before on this podcast so many times, but we cannot teach skills. We cannot help our kids do better the next time in the moment. When our kid is in a headspace where they are aggressive and hitting and kicking, when those feelings are flying out of them in these unregulated ways, we cannot teach skills. Remember that prefrontal cortex, which is still developing for our kids. It's not even fully developed. That prefrontal cortex has gone offline. If your child is hitting, it's like when your internet is down, right? You can go to whatever website you want as many times as you want, but it's not going to connect. So in the moment when your child is displaying aggressive behaviors, you have to keep them safe. You have to keep your other children safe. You have to keep yourself safe. Safety is the number one concern. Now, within that, we also have to consider our mindset and the lens through which we are seeing our child, which is why I've talked so much about shame and why aggressive behaviors happen. It's not because you have a bad kid. It's not because something's wrong with your kid or with you, okay? Even when your child is displaying aggressive behaviors well past the age where you feel like they should, or if these aggressive behaviors, like in our listener's case, have kind of come out of nowhere, you still have a good kid. You're still a good parent. Your kid is just struggling and everybody goes through periods where they struggle. It's okay. This is workable. We have to maintain that lens of good kid who is struggling throughout those aggressive moments. And that is hard to do and you're not going to do it perfectly and that's okay. You might even find yourself yelling or being reactive or reactively taking away the iPad, for example. And if you find yourself going there, you can repair just like any other time that you don't show up the way you want to in parenting. But to the extent you can, it is so important to keep our mindset in the right place when our kid is struggling in these ways. So mindset is a really, really big piece of this. And so much of that work happens with you outside the heat of the moment. 
you have to work on your mindset and your understanding of your child as a good kid who is struggling, even when they are doing things like hitting and kicking, even when they're older than you think they should be and doing these behaviors. The more you really believe that, the more you really, really deep down believe that your child is a good kid who's having a hard time, that there's nothing wrong with your kid, there's nothing wrong with you. The more you believe that, the more your child is going to feel that coming from you. So there's a lot of work that we need to do within ourselves to show up for our kids and hold space and be that safe container for their aggressive behaviors. And there's also a lot of really, really important work that happens with you and your child outside the heat of a tough moment to help strategize and make a plan and get curious about why this is even happening in the first place. But we can't do that if we've been responding in a harsh and critical way without first shifting how we show up in these moments. Because again, remember that shame blocks learning and your child is not going to be open to learning and working with you outside the heat of the moment if you've been responding in a harsh way during the moment. But let's say that maybe you haven't been responding harshly. Maybe you've been doing all the validating and you've been showing up for your child in a way that communicates that they're a good kid having a tough time. But maybe like our listener who wrote in, you start to worry about, you know, I don't know how to help my kid in these moments. I don't know how to physically keep them safe. I don't feel like I can keep myself safe or my older kids. What do I do? Even that worry comes across to your child. Remember, our kids don't want to be aggressive. They don't want to be destructive. They need to know that whatever they bring to the table, that we can contain it and we can keep them safe. So if we don't trust that we can keep them safe, they're going to pick up on that. Our kids, according to Circle of Security Parenting, need us to be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. And if they pick up on the fact that we don't feel bigger and stronger, we can't contain what they're bringing that's actually going to increase these aggressive behaviors because our kids are going to be freaking out inside. Oh my gosh, I'm doing all this stuff that I don't want to do. And there's nobody in charge here. Nobody can keep me safe. I'm being destructive. I'm hitting and kicking and nobody is stopping me. Nobody has this under control. That is terrifying for a kid. So I want to remind you and empower you that even if it is harder to keep your child physically safe than it was when they were a toddler or a preschooler, you can still do this. That might look like blocking the hit with confidence. That might look like taking a step back if you don't feel like you can block that hit. That might look like you saying, oh, I'm going to take a step into the other room to keep my body safe because I can tell that you are so mad right now. And with a seven-year-old, even though they are bigger than they were before, you as the parent are still bigger and stronger than they are, even though it is harder than it was when they were younger. I know it's hard. I've had to help my six-year-old. I've had to help my eight-and-a-half-year-old with aggressive behaviors, and it's tough. But we've got to communicate that confidence to our kids, and we've got to trust that even when things are challenging, we can keep our kids safe. I always like to say do the least necessary intervention. So if you can take a step back, just take a step back. If you need to block the hit, you're going to do that. If you need to take a step out of the room, you're going to do that. If you really need to pick your child up, you can pick your child up and move them most of the time, even when they are eight, nine, 10 years old. It's not easy, but it is doable. And you have to trust that you are bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. But that being said, the majority of the work 
around these aggressive behaviors is going to happen outside the heat of the moment. When you're calm, when your child is calm, in the case of our listener, when your older kids are calm and able to have a conversation with you about how to handle it when their brother is in this headspace where he's hitting. So let's talk a little bit about what that might look like. So I think the first piece here that is critical is to de-shame the way that we are talking to our kids about their feelings and their aggressive behaviors. And that actually starts in the heat of the moment. Like I was saying, we really have to see the good kid through the challenging behavior. We have to trust that there's a reason that they are reacting in this way. We have to trust that they are incapable in that moment of doing better. We can't get caught up in thinking that our child is choosing to do this or that they don't care enough to change their behavior because trust me, that's not the case. So you making that shift internally is the first step. And then trusting that, trusting that there is a reason that your child is struggling, trusting that if you can get curious, if you can really access that curiosity and make it emotionally safe for your child to explore that with you, that you can unearth what's going on that's got your child so emotionally activated and overwhelmed in those tough moments. So how do we de-shame the way that we are talking to our kids about these tough moments? Well, so first we want to invite our child to the conversation. When your child is calm, when you are already feeling connected together, maybe doing something fun, you can say something like, you know, I've been noticing that a lot of times lately when you feel so mad, you're hitting your brother or you're hitting mom or you're trying to hit your dad. And I would bet that that's not how you want things to go. I know you love your family and I know that you don't want to hurt us, but when you're so mad, maybe your body reacts in these ways kind of without your permission and see if your child can join you there and say, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what's happening. I said something similar to my child recently, and he said, are you in my brain? Like somehow I articulated exactly what he was feeling that he couldn't quite articulate himself. But sometimes, especially with our highly sensitive, deeply feeling kids, I have one myself. Sometimes when we approach the issue directly like that, there is just way too much shame for them to really talk about it directly. And so in that case, there are some creative ways that you can use to broach the topic without feeling like you have to say, hey, by the way, your behavior the other day, let's talk about that. That can feel too close to home, especially for a kid who does feel a lot of shame around that behavior already. And I will say that for our really sensitive, deep feelers, Sometimes that shame is there whether or not we have done anything inadvertently or purposefully to increase it. These kiddos are highly perceptive and they are going to be tuned into little things like facial expressions and they are going to feel that shame sometimes whether or not we want them to. And so when you try to talk about how they're feeling outside of the moment and everything seems to be going fine, they might sort of clam up, shut down be unwilling to go there. It doesn't feel safe for them. And that's okay. In these cases, we can access the feelings in what therapists like to call the displacement, meaning that we can remove the situation a level and see if it feels safer for them to discuss in that way. So here's a couple of ways you could do that. The first one is to share a story of sameness. You know, when I was your age, I used to hit when I got mad. I remember feeling really bad about it. And then one day my mom and I sat down and we came up with a plan for me to handle those big mad feelings in a different way. And then leave it at that and see if your child is curious. Sometimes even our kids who won't touch the feelings directly when it's talking about them will say, oh yeah, 
What did you do? What was the plan? Or if your child likes to read, book characters are an awesome way to explore these feelings. So there's a lot of chapter books where the characters deal with mad feelings. And so reading that together and then maybe saying, gosh, I wonder what happens when the character is so mad. Harry Potter is a great example. If you're a Harry Potter fan, you know, especially before Harry realizes that he has magical powers, A lot of times when he gets emotionally overwhelmed, he does things that he doesn't mean to do and he gets himself into trouble. And so using Harry as an example to talk about how to handle our big feelings can be really helpful if you've got a child who's into reading Harry Potter. Another thing you can do while you're talking about feelings is to throw your interpretation out there as a very throwaway interpretation, like create a lot of space between your child and your interpretation. Don't say it as this is how you're feeling, I think, or, you know, the other day when you did this. But instead, throw it out there as sort of a throwaway interpretation and let your child reject it if they need to. Give your child an out to say, yeah, no, that's not me at all. Even when they do say that, sometimes you've gotten the gears turning and you've gotten them thinking. And I have had times where my eight and a half year old will come back to me later and say, yeah, you know that thing you were saying? That really is how I'm feeling. So that might sound like, you know, I don't know if this is how you're feeling at all, but some kids, when they get so mad, it's like their body just hits and they don't even feel like they have a choice. And then later they feel bad about it and they wish there was something else they could do about it. I'm not saying that's true for you, but if it feels even just like a tiny bit true for you, I'd be happy to help you talk about a plan to do something different next time. The more you respond in the moment, as though your child is a good kid having a tough time in that moment, the more you connect with your child in general, the more they're going to be willing to have these conversations with you. And then once they are willing to have these conversations with you, there is so much you can do. You can talk about coping skills they can use when they feel so mad that they want to hit. You can talk about healthy ways to release their anger. You can talk about signals they can give to you when they feel like they need your help preemptively. You can talk about the signs that they feel in their body before they hit. And then of course, I think it's also really important to get curious about what's going on in general. So for our listeners, what's going on this school year maybe that is making this child feel so stressed that he's hitting all of a sudden when he hasn't before? Is there a stressful situation at school? Is there a teacher-student mismatch? Is the workload just getting challenging? What's going on that is causing this fallout at home? Because sometimes there's a lot we can do there as well to reduce our child's overall level of stress so that they have more resources to draw on in these really challenging moments. So There is so much more I could say about handling aggressive behaviors, about talking about coping skills outside of heated moments, but I always try to keep these episodes relatively short and listenable, so I'm going to stop here for today. Of course, as always, if this episode sparks further questions, you can always email me drhillary at raiseresilient.com and I will do an episode on your question if I can. To our listener who wrote in with this question, I hope this was helpful. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for being here. Until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.